On this week's episode of the Superhero Hour Hour, will the Legion finale cement its place in the Superhero Hour Hour Hall of Fame? Who was the best or worst villain of the 1819 season? And what will life be in this post-Krypton world? Find out now! Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour, the only podcast on the internet that covers every single TV show based on a comic book or comic book property. My name is Ryan, and with me today is no one. Greg is gone, Mike is gone, Taylor is gone, and I am going to attempt to do this show all by myself. Now, there's a couple of things that uh, can happen. No, no. Oh, uh, no. Hold on. No, no, no. Okay. So I'm going to attempt to do this by myself. And oh my God. Okay. Dave, come in. Oh, fuck. You can't do anything by yourself. Is that what you came in to tell me? Yeah. Okay. So, and then you're going to take off? No, but then you'd be doing it by yourself again. Well, who's pushing all the engineer buttons? I, I thought that in order to produce this podcast, you had to constantly be like turning gears and slapping gerbils. Well, the gerbils are going to slap themselves today, I guess. Oh, really? And you think that they are capable of doing that? They're capable of doing that by themselves, but I'm not capable of hosting and paneling this entire show by myself? You're not as good as any, at anything as a gerbil is at that. That's right. What? Uh, you're going to have to take a pay cut in order to... You know, you make way more money than we do as panelists, right? No, I'm just. I'm going to also edit the show after this. So two checks. I'll get two checks. Yeah, two it's checks. like it's like a musician, a professional musician doing two instruments gets two checks. Now, while you're talking on the show, I see that you're pulling a bunch of strings. Are you Kevin McAllistering the engineer room? Like, do you have cardboard stand-ups pushing all the buttons for you? Uh, no, that's just uh, cardboard cutouts dancing around so that if the bad guys come by, they think that there's people in there. Oh, that's just for security reasons. <laughs> And this is better than like putting in an alarm system or just understanding the fact that no one wants to break into our fucking engineering room? No, they pay me so much that uh, oh, we don't have do. enough money for the security system. It's just this, just the cardboard cutout. That's why I do the dance like this. They pay you so much that I feel like you don't need the second paycheck. You could give that to me for hosting and paneling and also, or maybe donate it to a charity of your choice. That's what I do. It's what? called Dave's Future. <laughs> Good. Okay. And that is a that's a can under your bed? Uh no, it's not a can. It's just a big pile. It's just a big pile under your bed. Yeah. Okay. Um speaking of pulling strings, I don't think we've ever gotten into you and your past before. Do you want to talk about this is before I met you and I've known you for like a decade and a half. Do we want to talk about your bedroom that I've heard so much about? Do you remember this bedroom? Oh yeah. Uh explain this to our listeners. All right, so I had an overhead an overhead lamp when I was a child that was like, uh, it's like uh, the lamps that you would see in a workshop or something. It's all UV fluorescent lights. In your bedroom? Yeah, and it had, instead of like a regular light. And it had like a pull string to turn it on and off, but there was no light switch that could turn it on and off. So you'd have to walk over to the pull string in order to turn it off. Instead of doing that, I took a bunch of uh, string and laid it throughout the entire room so that I could turn the light on and off from any in the room so it was just it was just the light i i was told that like you could do a million things from your bed by pulling the correct string <laughs> no i couldn't do a million things it was just the light well can't you lie because we're live on air right now <laughs> yeah so, so basically you turned your room into a bus but instead of the bus stopping you could pull the string and the light would come on well it would stop the house too oh it would yeah the house was constantly rolling uh -huh. and if it, if i needed to go to sleep i couldn't sleep with the light on or with the house rolling so now was this a motorhome or just a house that moved around a lot no it was like one of those flying houses uh-huh one of those yeah. yes so this way it made it so that so that it would land otherwise i wouldn't be able to get any rest i got to say and i'm just giving you a little bit of advice here as far as being on a podcast before um, and then you can give me some producing advice later. Um, if you have a fly, if you grew up in a flying house, 
Maybe that's the better story than you could turn a light on with a string. Maybe start with that next time. I'm not following. <laughs> Great. This is going to be such a good show. Dave, we have so much stuff to talk about. We have a shushy to give away. We're going to talk about the finale of Legion and the rest of the shows when we come back. After a week off, because we had to talk about Hobbs and Shaw, we are back to the shushies. We're in the thick of it. This is just one award away from all of the best actors and actresses. Tonight is best villain. Mm. Dave, when you're watching one of these superhero shows, what do you need from a villain? I need them to be unfriendly, mostly. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter uh, if they kill a lot of people or if, uh, if they're sexy or anything like that. They just need to be something that irks the crap out of our protagonist. Okay, so like a pest. Yeah. Not mean, necessarily, but like somebody who gives them flat tires, both to their car and their shoes. Well, that sounds mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that'll work. Is that, does that cross pestering and then go into meanness? No. No. You're right. It is just, it is just a pest. Should a, good villain, like, should a good villain be able to hold the hero upside down by the ankle and like shake the change out of his pockets? Not, yes, but not necessarily. Maybe metaphorically. Metaphorically like hold them upside can, down. As, as long as they can get what they want without the, uh, without the protagonist wanting to give it up. Does it help if the hero first says, uh, this world needs a change, or this world needs change, and then the hero or the villain picks him up and shakes out all the change, and the villain says, like, well, there you go, there's your change. Does that help make a good villain? Uh, yeah, yeah, irony, and, and that sounds good. And also, maybe they're not such a, such a villain after that. I mean, they're getting the change, right? They are getting the change the world needs. Yeah. But not necessarily the one that the world deserves? I don't know what the world deserves. <laughs> All right. Last year's winner was The Terror. He is ineligible this year. He, I think he was in one scene in the first episode of season two of The Tick. Was he even in that? Yeah, I think there was like one flash. It may have been... Like a, re, like a reflash. Or yeah, it may have been a cut from before. Um, Hair Star from Preacher. The White Violin from The Umbrella Academy. Mariah Dillard from Luke Cage. Blaine from My Zombie and Naren from Legends of Tomorrow are all not nominated. Mm. Any of those surprise you? Hair Star, The White Violin, Mariah Dillard, Blaine, and Naren. Yeah, uh, Hair Star always took. I always took him as as super villainous in like a, in like a you're still rooting for him kind of way, and and I think that that's something that uh, the crew here really enjoys about characters. I think it makes them more relatable, and because he's a petty asshole and yeah. we are also that <laughs> so yes that makes sense this is a weird award because i said that we we're going to do actors and actresses over the next four weeks this one's weird because it's sort of combined performance and character mm-hmm. you know like hair star i think the performance is spectacular yeah i love watching him and jesse together but maybe the character wasn't strong enough to get him an actual nomination yeah that makes sense he he is spectacular. On the other side of that coin is the is the white violin, which literally had no acting chops at all. So oh, spoiler alert! By the way, if you haven't watched Umbrella Academy, <laughs> uh-huh. I really don't understand how that's even on the list. I mean, it didn't it didn't do anything for me. Were you so? Are you saying Ellen Page? Ellen Juno Page is a bad actress. Oh no, no, she was great. I'm saying the, the violin character. the violin itself is not a great actor. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our first nominee from Daredevil. It's Bullseye. Oh, Bullseye. <laughs> this, that, this is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I, I didn't like uh, the acting very much by him. Uh, it, was, it was fine, you know, but uh, the action sequences that he was involved in were spectacular. And, I mean, everybody knows what Bullseye does, but it's still fun to watch a, a pencil get launched, you know, 70 feet and hit its target. That's the thing is that I can see how non-comic book readers think his powers are stupid. Uh, but if you, uh, you're, if you already know what they are and you're used to them, fuck, it's so much fun to watch. And the, the, this season of Daredevil really scaled back on the goofiness of it. Like, there was only the one scene where he was office supply maniac, you know? Right. But he wasn't, like, uh, throwing a pie a mile away into somebody's mouth that chokes them, which is a cool way to die. The other thing about him is that there was, uh, there was a lot of background on him. Basically, the whole season was about him. And that... that brought a lot more character interest into that character. Yeah, I wonder if that's the reason that he's up here is not necessarily when he's in costume, which was Daredevil's costume, but because we spent so much time with him, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like 
Uh, and it and it was good as opposed to like John Pilgrim from Punisher, where we spent some time and it was boring. And it had no no relation to the rest of the story at all. Another spo- yeah, it was just like a different show. Another spoiler alert: John Pilgrim not nominated tonight. <laughs> Your next nominee from Daredevil is Wilson Fisk. Now, Dave, does Wilson Fisk be, be nominated just automatically eliminate Bullseye from winning right there? Yeah, uh, his his performance is is probably one of the best performances for, from a villain. Or maybe in all of the shows that we watch, the he, Netflix shows. Yeah, he's he's amazing, and uh, and that final fight scene where the three of them are going at it, uh-huh. he's just launching the two of them across every room that they're in. It's it's amazing. It's fantastic. Plus, it's got my one of my favorite things in a three way, a non sexual three way, where it's a I don't know if we're allowed to say this a, a Latin neck standoff, um, and they just keep switching who they're fighting. It's adorable. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio, who plays Wilson Fisk, has expressed interest, like everyone has, in being in the MCU. And I think of all of the Marvel TV shows, he's the one that can make the jump. No problem. He's got the caliber to actually outshine a lot of the, especially villains, from the MCU. Yeah. It's not a strong stable of villains. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and the Raptor from Runaways. I think those can both. Oh, man. The Raptor from Runaways attacks the Guardians, and Chris Pratt is able to train him. Oh man! <laughs> if he's got a if he's got a pet pet raptor of his own, then uh, I think the universe is fucked. Then the universe then the universe is finally fucked. Your next nominee is from Doom Patrol. It's Mister Nobody, played by Alan Tudyk, who is in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Yeah, you guys have a big hard on for this guy. Is it too much? You have a two dick hard on. There we go for this guy. Uh, I, yeah, well, I think he's good. I like him a lot. I watched him a lot in Firefly. I think I think he's okay in this show. I didn't watch a whole lot of this show, um, and the parts that I did watch, he wasn't uh, he wasn't predominant throughout. He, yeah, he probably has less screen time than a lot of these nominees. And and I think that as much as you guys like him, that helps. That does not help his case. Yeah, I mean, but he could have been in half as much of the show. And get nominated because this show loves Alan Tudyk. Yeah, you guys, you guys like the guy. Your next nominee is from Legion. It's Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Uh, I also didn't watch a lot of this, but from what I understand, from what you guys are saying, uh, he's almost not a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, towards the and we're going to talk about the season finale tonight. Um, his villainy is I don't know. It's it's weirder than most of the people on this list. It was definitely not Black Hat tie women to the mm-hmm. train tracks anymore. Especially not as it was in the first season where it was very clear that you know he's the super main big bad. And that might be part of the reason why he's nominated here. Uh, again, like the Bullseye character, there was a lot of character development for, for this character. Yeah, I just wonder if this is a case of it's not best villain or worst villain, it's most interesting character that you could make an argument is villainous. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. sort of a gray area. And then finally, speaking of that, your final nominee from Legion is David Holler, Legion himself. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the bad guy of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly, we'd have to go back and watch the whole thing, but the entire, all three seasons. Yeah. It seemed like in the, I watched the first season twice, actually, and he was really confused in that season. And, and you could tell that he wasn't always a good person. Were you confused too? Because you were like, man, the second season is exactly the same as the first. This is <laughs> weird. Why are they doing this? All right, we have two from Daredevil, Bullseye and Wilson Fisk. We got two from Legion, Amal and David. Holler at your boy. And then Doom Patrol's Mr. Nobody. Who should take it and who will take it? Okay, well, I think that it should be Fisk. That guy, like we said, probably the best performance of all of these, char- of all of these actors. And, and his character has such a strong presence on the show too. I think it should probably be him. You guys have a hard-on for Mr. Nobody, so it could be him, and then it also might be David Holler, because he's just so overwhelmingly, magnificently evil. Plus, based on history of this year's shishies, like Doom Patrol and Legion are just taking everything. So Mm -hmm. those are two good picks. All right. The envelope, please. And the winner is... Mr. Nobody from Doom Patrol. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's two for two dick this season? That's two for two dick. And uh, in the last season of Moody, Movie of the Year, he got into the Hall of Fame. So it's been a good year for him here. He should probably come on the show. Isn't your job booking guests? 
I don't do that. You don't. Who does that? The the hamsters. The hamsters. Yeah. Are they hamsters now? They're no longer gerbils. Well, they there's gerbils and there's hamsters. Okay, and that's rude of me to just assume that they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, way to go, dude. I'm a speciesist. All right, congratulations to Alan Tudyk. Please come pick up your shishi and your other shishi. You have two here, and also uh, stand next to your uh, picture of you in the Hall of Fame. Um, when we come back, wait, we took a picture of him. Well, we painted a picture. Okay. And we did it in the best way possible. We did like a mashup where we all grabbed a brush and painted different parts of the mm-hmm. canvas. Mm-hmm. I think it looks great, but uh, I don't know. Your paintbrush definitely went to the crotch area, so you could paint those two dicks. Two dicks. So he might not like that. But he should see it and like judge for himself, you know? I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think there's one thing that might sway him throughout the picture. Two dicks. Two dicks. There it is. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Producer Dave. Mm-hmm. Petey. Peter, we'll call you Peter. No, nope. nope. you don't like uh-huh. Peter. <laughs> uh, when we come back, it's Legion time. Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? On the series finale of Legion, the final battle. May have happened a couple of episodes ago, as most of the gang forgoes all of the fighting to restart the world with hope and optimism instead. Xavier, David, and the two Farouks decide it's better to high-five and be friends. The two carries combine and grow old together. Sid saves the baby and therefore the world, and David gets his mommy back, ending the show with a nice, happy family and the hope that this time, David will be a good boy. After 27 episodes of seeing the Xavier family through the eyes of Noah Hawley, what messages and themes do we think we're supposed to get from the series? Taste buds, I asked you that. <laughs> I, I guess that good parenting can redeem even like even if the worst villain had access to adequate parenting as a young kid, that person would turn out to be an okay person. So number one, we're going nurture over nature, right? Like. That see and that seems I mean that that seems the conclusion of the show. And this is three I episodes a, this is three episodes after the Manzukis episode where Sid got a whole new childhood raised yeah. by great parents who probably yeah. weren't great parents the first time around but now like they were and now she is a great person. Yeah. I actually don't think that the show is taking a stand on whether or not like this is going to fix David. I felt like the end was like the the entire theme of the show has been like are you do your choices make you who you are or are you just sort of the sum of like external forces yeah. that create you and sid didn't seem super confident everything was going to be okay right she didn't want to kill the baby which is cool don't kill babies but, but she wouldn't look at david at right. the end and she didn't she the, he said i'm sorry and she didn't say anything it yeah. wasn't like oh yeah i forgive you for that yeah. don't worry about it dude and on the way out she did like a windmill high five to the mom and was like hey take care of your kid like raise him right or actually said yeah. david right like don't be an asshole but so the the thing that i think most gives me pause about thinking that the show is saying like david's gonna be all right it's gonna be fine is that moment where he's like in the straight jacket in the astral plane and he's like i deserve love and farouk says no you don't and like that really breaks him and then it seems like he's saved by his mother and they do the whole pink floyd thing yeah. But, like, that song, and specifically, like, brought into relief with the way that it's delivered, is, like, he's, a, a, like, a, just a scared kid who just wants love, but his mom is also saying, I'm going to protect you, but I'm going to put all of my fucked up shit also onto you. Yeah, he's gonna, she's going to have more of a role in his life this time around. Yeah. But it's going to be, like, that song is about a very domineering mom who's, like, vetting your girlfriends. Yeah. And, and, and not it, super stable. And then... And then on top of that, Charles says, I'll do this better too, but I don't know if I believe that. No, right? Because he's yeah. still going to, he's like, I'm, and I'm going to open a school. So yeah. clearly he's just going to get obsessed with the school and still kind of forget about David, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that, I think you could read a very happy ending to the show, but I think it was closer to, here's this baby. This baby has the potential to be anything, and we're not going to make a firm statement. And and that's why I think I felt a little cold at the end of this episode. I felt super cold at the end of this episode. But I, I think I'm warming up because I think what I wanted was to see the future and see how everything turns out. 
and it's a very Legion thing for the show to just not give that to you. Yeah. yeah, we did not get any of like any of the climactic stuff that we wanted, and uh, we got an answer to like the whole just don't kill baby Hitler thing, right? Don't yes. go do that. But I, like, I don't think things are going to be okay, and I think that the big question is: Does this go against the first twenty six episodes? Like, does this negate or go against the See, philosophies I, of the no. past? See, I feel like it. It kind of does. I it, like. This literally erases from like the history and the consciousness of this show. Like this episode erases everything that we've seen. It just disappears. And I don't know if it's going to live on meaningfully in like the way that Charles Xavier and David's mom raised little baby David, but it just felt like rather than like the end of this show brings you back to the beginning, which is what I was kind of hoping for. It felt like it erased everything that came before it. Th- that's the thing is that I thought this whole season was about no, bro. Like the shit that you did, you all like you did that, and yeah. there's nothing we can do about it. And he was like, no, 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 I'll reset it. And then they're like, no, you can't just do that until we got to the last episode. And then okay, now well, you made it all the way to episode eight. We'll give you a reset. I, I don't know. I feel like I felt the theme of this season was we can't save current David, but we might be able to save. A baby David. And, and I, I guess can, my problem is that David was there at the end with the crib, and maybe I just wanted him obliterated. Like, he has a smirk on his face. Like, right. I told you, assholes. And, and I think that is the thing that this season was setting up, is da- like David, the one that we have known, is a fucking piece of shit, and we do not like him. But like you, you, it goes back to what you said about, like, you can't kill baby Hitler. This is a baby. It, could, it has the possibility to, be, to grow up and be something better, but we don't get to see what that better thing is. And I think that's why I'm thinking more, like, going back through the series, I feel like we were latching onto themes, but I think the ultimate theme of it is what makes you who you are. And I, th- and I think I, that the ending was kind of poignant to me. I feel like it brought that part of it home. That's a good point, too, is that while we were flailing down a, a well while watching the series we were latching on to whatever we could what if we did pick the wrong themes you know like what yeah. if that wasn't going to be that like I, th- I think it was addressing like toxic masculinity is is, is extremely bad but like also uh, it, it it addressed some of those things and some of those things we didn't get satisfying answers to but i think the overarching theme of the entire series starting from like is david crazy like is this an inbuilt thing into him or is it just someone else acting on him I feel like that is the thing that it tried to hammer home. I think it succeeded. I, isn't the answer, we don't know, and then so we're just going to try again, and that's a thing that nobody else gets to do? So like we didn't really learn anything? And then as far as the Yeah, I mean, the whole goes, idea that the, where the show is like, you know, a way you could fix yourself is if you had a second childhood. Well, that's not accessible to... Get some superpowers, <laughs> learn how to time travel. And the way that it reinforced that was they introduced her in the very first episode of this season, but they built Switch to be a deus ex machina. Into this yes. story, that's she was just supposed to come in and wave her wand and fix everything. And we spent too much praying that wouldn't be the case. Right. Yeah, and that's, then it one hundred percent was. Oh yeah, there's this new character who has a big power, and what is she going to do? She's just going to set things to right at the right at the end. Overall, I was pretty satisfied with this episode, but the moment where I felt this this season being two episodes shorter than the others was when they're like, ah, and also Switch is a fourth dimensional being. We're not going to describe that. So she's just like, she's going to fix everything and we're all good. Let's move on. Well, you could just write it on the screen. You just write words on the screen and then... Honestly, like Switch was like an incredibly interesting character to me, even though they gave her very little to do because I was like, they gave her just enough that I was able to read in her like internal decision making in the things that she was doing. And I thought she was a very interesting like character and like in between, between all of these different groups fighting against each other. And I was like, I really hope that they, they really satisfactorily bring her like, but didn't we all know her inner character. And I, I expected Legion to do better. And this, that really let me down. The other thing too, going back to Chuck is that he was like, and this time I'll stay around, which we don't believe, but also that saying like, Oh, if you only had a dad, you know, like if you just had a male presence, that's going to fix you. I think what would have been better is if it was making the point of each generation learns how to raise kids better than the last one. And so like if David knocks it up and then died, like the villain he should have, 
And then we were with Sid knowing that she will not be raising a villain. You know, now Sid with all of this is going to raise a great kid. But instead we just went back in time and like, I'm not sure what to do with that. Yeah, I saw a headline right after this episode came out that was like, it you know puts a real ribbon on the whole series. I feel like the, the opposite is very much true. I, it, a I, ribbon would have been a uh, choreographed dance with green Hulk hands. Yeah, That's yeah what for sure. Done. Everyone with their own set of huge green Hulk hands. Yeah, I don't. I feel like overall it tied a nice, it tied a nice bow around what I, th- I think this section of the story was. But I think there's just an entire like world of stuff that they just aren't going to cover. Yeah, and I don't. I think I'm fine with that. I, it, it feels very Legion. It feels very within the show to just be like, here's like a concept. Here's like a thing that we are going to put into your brain and we're not going to give you the answer. But this feels different than like all of the purposeful stuff that we saw throughout yeah. the first three seasons. That's what I was going to say. It, 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 I think it is like you can argue that, Taylor, that like, you know, oh, so a lot of this is left up to you to decide. Was Amal Farouk in the end? Is he, can he be redeemed by these good actions at the end? And, you know, does David, like, set things to rights? But the show didn't seem to, like, really, like, chew on that. It seemed unaddressed, you know? At the end, it just, it felt like we're saying David's, like, David can be redeemed by this. We're saying that, yeah, Amal Farouk, like, became a good guy over the course of, like, living inside David. That didn't seem to be what was happening in the first two seasons, though, did it? Like, I mean, he was he was terrible. Like, he was actively torturing this kid. At what point was he like? Did he like get better, or you know, what were the experiences he shows to the younger version of himself when he puts on the sunglasses? Which is a cool scene, yeah. but like, because I remember in like in season one, he was like this weird, huge, fat guy that you see in this season a few times, like How darting, I see myself at, in the mirror. darting out of corners and like scaring him all the time. When did he become like a good guy? Farouk tells Charles, I think in this episode uh, that no, like, I straight up love David. Yeah. He's my son. basically. Yeah. And, and he said that before. And that's very interesting because I think the show did a lot with like love in general and how, uh, like hardcore it is and what a feeling it is and how it also leads you to do as much fucked up shit as it does to make you do good shit. And how like, it's so hard to understand. And so I think that we had set that stuff up for the Shadow King to love him, but we're out of episodes and they just right through it. Yeah, that's I I I'm worried that I am coming cuz the rest of this show, every episode has been so good that like for this episode to just completely drop the ball, it seems like they've put too much thought into this show for this to just be a lack of thought that went into this. I feel like trust it more than you. I, I, I feel, I feel like I am, I feel like they had to have put thought into this and they are trying to do a thing. And I think in digging for that thing, I have come around to like this episode more, but like the very end of the episode, like credits rolled. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Even though we knew for a fact, because you know, we're Legion watchers and incredible TV watchers that we were not going to get, the end of like the Thanos war. You know, I, we knew yeah. that it wasn't going to be that. I mean, the first thing you see is on the screen. They're like, they basically have some words that are like, you know, you might not get all the yeah. answers you want. It's, out basi- of this. it's and, basically an apology. Yeah, that the, the episode opens with. And at first, I thought that was cool, but then when I got all the way through the end of the episode, I was like, oh, that's kind of a cop out. They're like, you know, you might not be satisfied with all the answers you get, and that's true. But it feels like you could have done a little bit more to address them. Yeah, I, I do think that one of the things that I think it did tie up very nicely was the moment with uh, David and Sid at the crib where he's like, you're, you're probably going to be magnificent like without me fucking everything up. And she goes, yeah, I will. Yeah. Like she just straight up says like, yeah, I'm going to be better off without you ever entering. It'll probably life. be better if I like never get sexually assaulted. Yeah. I could see that life being a better journey for me. That was good. I, I, yeah, I wanted him to get slapped with words. But, I mean, the real moment was the Carries coming to terms with, like, where they're at now and Sid talking to uh, girl Carrie uh, and then boy Carrie coming in and saying, like, them all, like, coming to terms with where they're at now. That felt like the end of an adventure, you know? Like, yeah. they were at yeah. the end of a story. And this show had teased so many times that one or the other of them were going to die. And it was so obviously, like, they, they were so preoccupied and scared with that that the show became very preoccupied with it. It feel like every scene where they would like part 
they would look at each other like, oh my God, what if we never see each other again? And so then having them together be the same age so that you can assume that they probably died the exact same moment. There's a niceness to that. Yeah, that, that was very... It felt weird at first that Switch showed up and addressed everyone in the room yeah. except for the carries. But I, I'm glad that they gave the carries that ending. I think I think that is the biggest thing that I felt cold with at the very end of the episode was the amount of characters that I, I sort of somehow expected to see how they end up after the series. But I was like, nope, they actually all just kind of died yeah, and they all- disappeared. In the, uh, and this the, season was rough on the cast of the show. Yeah, and and honestly, the the biggest question mark in all of it is because like a lot of them died or whatever. But like, what what happened to Tonami? Like he just like sank, yeah. he sank into the floor of the the dirigible, and yeah. then we never saw what like they, what was that? And like they went to like super defense mode. Yeah, and so he like went to a special chamber, and then they're just like, there's just not enough time to say what happened to you, dude. Also, his super defense mode didn't work that well. Like, no, they trashed that ship. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we are almost out of time. The end of... <laughs> Shut up, Siri. Uh, the end of Legion. How do you guys feel about the entire run? I feel like, much like the carries, we made it through an adventure. Yeah. We did this. Like, this is yeah. one of the few shows that we covered start to finish, and, uh, it's hard to say if, like, I'm down on the ending or if I didn't get the ending. That's just sort of how Legion works. Yeah. And I think that as, like, a, uh... You know, a chunk of art as a 27 episode thing. I think this this is the best thing that we have ever covered on this show. Oh, by by a pretty long shot, I think. And there's other things that we love. You know, we love the Tick and Legends and Doom Patrol, but those stuff, those things are either still going or um, just I don't think will at the end hold up as one piece like this fucking show. Yeah, does. let's see if Doom yeah. Patrol can put together another season. Uh, in the end, I I like it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I agree, Ryan. That's like probably the best thing that we have covered. But, but uh, do you say that like with because of how low the bar is, or like do you really think this was great? Uh, a combination of those two things. I thought it was really great, but then I didn't like any of the last three episodes really, and that's just a hard way, obviously, to go out on a show. You guys liked the Jason Manzukas episode, yeah. I, I I didn't like most of it, and I don't think any of us really liked the penultimate episode, and none of us were blown away by the finale. Yeah. So for me, that was like kind of three of the weakest episodes right in a row, and that was the last taste I got. Um, but putting aside that recency bias, yeah, it was. I've never been as excited to watch a show as I was every week to watch Legion, and. I don't mean this as a strike against it. I'm glad it's over. I think yeah, like yeah, for sure. we didn't have to endure like season two was rocky at moments. With, like but, fat David Holler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't have to deal with them having obviously no idea where to take the story next. Yeah. And it ha- knowing that this was going to be the final eight episodes allowed them to really do some pretty cool things. And as a, uh, with this podcast, like all we do is root for shows to go away. We got to come in this garage and talk about that twenty seven times, yeah. and like that—that's a bummer because people don't understand how fucking hard it is to talk about every episode of The Flash. Yeah, it's so oh hard. But what Legion gave us was like we've never had anything like that before, you know? Yeah, I—I I think at the end of this entire run, I, I agree. It is the best thing that we have ever watched as a podcast. I want to believe that it ended well, and I think I'm gonna cling on to that i think i am going to rewatch the entire series in just a chunk and see how i feel after that but i i agree that the last few episodes were a bit of a stumble possibly and i'm i am wondering if they originally intended for 10 episodes and somehow cut down to eight at some point because it's the last episode especially felt a little rushed but and that things were just left off yeah like some things were just not fully addressed and so I think I, overall, even with that said, I think this was uh, a, an incredible piece of art, and I'm very glad that I got to watch it. So thank you for this show, for making me watch it. Noah Holly, dude. I cannot wait to see what he does next. Yeah, I, I am very excited. I will watch pretty much anything that he does. His Doctor Doom movie got canceled when Disney bought Fox, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah that's a real bummer. Doctor Doom, there's so much you could do there between the magic and the science and everything. Yeah. All right. The science and the magic. <laughs> To make a bunch of Doom bots. And now we will move on from Legion forever. Hey guys, just briefly interrupting here to lay down some very smooth commercials. If you were on the internet, which I am many times, go on over to yourpopfilter.com. 
That is your central hub for all the things we're doing. You can get our podcast and see what we are up to on that website. Taylor. Yes. Tell the folks about the Amazon.com. If you'd like to shop on Amazon.com, you should instead go to yourpopculture.com slash Amazon. Buy your things through there, and it helps us out a little bit with no extra work from you, other than just going to that extra little bit at the front of the URL. That sounds like a dream. Ryan, YouTube. Yeah, make sure that you're going to YouTube. If you like listening, but it's you're, there's not enough for your eyes to do, we totally understand. Go to YouTube, search for Your Pop Filter, and there's a lot of skitsies and bitsies on there that have visuals as well. Wow, that sounds amazing. Social media, you can find us on Twitter.com, at Your Pop Filter, or also now available on Instagram, hey, hey, hey. at Your Pop Filter. Check us out on the social media. Taylor, contact. If you want to contact us, you can contact us at contact at yourpopfilter.com. If you like the show and you want to tell us how much you love it, or if you hate the show and you want to tell us how much you hate it, send us that. Or if you want to call us on a phone, you can do that at 1-562-DJ-POP. That's 1-562-DRDJ-POP. He's a little robot associate, and he takes our messages for us. One of his hands is a spatula. His other hand is a spatula maker. Hell yeah, so he's always got extra hands. All right, well, those are the commercials, guys. Let's get you right back to that show. Now it's time for the pull list, where we talk about every other show based on a comic book or comic book property. I think that's what Taylor says. Mm -hmm. Uh, First up is Fear the Walking Dead. Which is a comic book property. Yes, I think, or yeah, that counts as... Because it's not an actual comic book, right? So that's They just added thing. words to the yeah, name of a comic yeah, book. Uh-huh. And now there's a third one fucking coming, Dave. This week on Fear the Walking Dead, the show makes a documentary episode through the eyes of Al's camera and shows the crew back on the other side trying to recruit mothers whose kids have asthma, apparently. They disseminate the documentary and try to use it as a recruitment tool in a world without VCRs. <laughs> Taste buds, I ask you this. What is your post-apocalyptic marketing strategy? I would do like they have airplanes in this world now, so they've got like one janky one. Okay, see that's perfect. You just put the big banner and you just fly across the beach. This is just I do mean that over and over again. As uh, people who grew up on the beach, we know that airplane advertisements are the greatest. Like as soon as we see one, we run to the store and buy whatever the plane tells us to. Yeah, I mean, what else are you gonna do? There's a plane telling you to do it. If I mean, if it was a banner on a car, banner on a truck, a, uh, like a hovercraft, who gives a shit? But a plane tells me to do something, I'm going to go fucking do mm-hmm. it. That thing is, you know, 200 feet high. Did you know that the government uh, figures out when a recession is coming? Not by, like, numbers and the Dow Jones and all that shit, but they look at the plane advertisements, mm-hmm. and it says, uh, now leasing, or please advertise on our plane. And that's how you know no one has money. Because if you had money, you'd be fucking advertising on a fucking plane. It's the best way to get people at your store. <laughs> they also, yeah, there's so little information it's, it's so wonderful. It's my favorite commercial. I wish that commercials, when I'm watching TV, would just have a plane fly by. That would make more sense. Uh, I like, they need to change those little uh, dancing men in front of the store into like little airplanes that just go around the store with banners attached to them. Yeah, so the size of the plane doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, no. If you it's can... a plane with an advertisement, it will work. Mm-hmm. Way better than one of those dancing air guys. We are talking so much sense. Fear the Walking Dead is on Sunday nights on AMC. Your next show is Pennyworth. On this week's episode of Pennyworth, Alfred accepts an assignment from photojournalist Martha Kane that turns increasingly dangerous. Dave, do you know who Martha Kane is? Uh, is it? No, I don't. I don't know who it is. Is nope. it the? Is it the? The Alfred Kane? What the heck is that guy's act? Alfred it? Pennyworth. Pennyworth. The name of the show. <laughs> Dave. Michael is it Michael Kane's sister? <laughs> <laughs> who grows up and just says, like, my brother is going to be so much better at this job than you are, Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> yes. Michael Caine's sister, who will one day grow up to be Alfred Pennyworth, her brother will, um, actually grows up to give birth to Batman. Well, Bruce Wayne. Mm. She doesn't give birth to a baby in a Batman costume. That would freak me out. I think that baby would still kick my ass. Probably, yes. Yeah. And certainly kick your ass. Why? Because uh, your ass is easier to kick than my ass. It's higher. Yeah, but babies, they can reach up there. I'm only like uh, three inches taller than you, but my ass is 14 inches higher than your ass. Yeah, that's because my ass, it's like my legs are super short. Right. right? But my torso is super long. 
People wonder how we don't get all the girls when not a single one of our body parts makes sense. Uh, do you think that a very crafty uh, surgeon, or maybe not surgeon, but like a uh, mad scientist, could cut all of our parts together and swap them so we were both handsome? Like on Futurama, but instead of us both being... No, no, there's no way. We would just... we Well... Dave, your torso on my legs. <laughs> I would be nine feet tall. I think we could probably kick some basketball ass. And isn't that what girls are looking for? Is it, it a nine foot tall dude? <laughs> it would be like the movie Twins, except for I'd be the really stubby idiot guy and you'd be the really ridiculously tall idiot guy. Oh, so it would be way different than how it is now. Um, Martha Kane. Bob Kane created Batman along with Bill Finger. Um, but you can't name a girl with the last name Finger. Bill? Uh, and then Martha is from Batman vs. Superman. Remember where they both stopped fighting mm-hmm. because their moms My had mama. the same name? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, yes, this is the person who will give birth to Batman. And I'm sure it was great. Pennyworth is on Epics, a channel called Epics on Sunday nights. Our next show is Jessica Jones. On the ninth episode of Jessica Jones, Jess has a choice to make when Salinger forces her to destroy the evidence that will put him away. Or Patsy will go to jail forever. And apparently jails aren't cool to Hellcats. Dave, but I ask you this. Mm -hmm. Given the choice to send me to jail or watch this episode of Jessica Jones, which would you pick? That is a really good question. Now, this episode is only an hour long, but my sentence is 30 years. Mm, 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 You're still thinking thinking about it. Yeah, I think, uh, see, because if if you're lucky, then uh, we're doing the show for another 30 years. And if you're in prison, then... Then you're at least not here, uh-huh. and I think I would prefer that. I would prefer you not to be here. Is there some sort of leniency for podcast hosts? Like, we want to take them to jail, like or like you know how they had like if you had a kid during Vietnam, you didn't get drafted. If you have a podcast, you can't go to jail. I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? Yeah, no, no. Because but you, you don't still, know for sure. You could still record inside the inside the jail. Right? Oh so. man, if you thought I was going to get my ass kicked. Just being in jail. Imagine if I'm like, oh, boys, stop it. I have a podcast to do. Yeah, there's a bunch of Batman babies in there, too. I realized watching this episode, uh, what the whole premise was, is it's like that classic Batman, um, you know, the Joker's going to drop Robin off a cliff mm-hmm. and then run away. And that's what Jessica had to do was catch the villain or save the sidekick. Right. And they just took an hour to do it instead of the 30 seconds that Batman does it in. And the thing about it, too, is you always save the sidekick. The villain... Sure, can go and do something else, but you can't lose your sidekick. And you can, you're going to get the villain at some point. You're in a comic book. I guess. I guess. But then you're also just going to release the villain so he can then go kill. Go get some more killing then. Let's get into that. Salinger said she, she decides to let, like, burn the evidence uh, uh, that will put Salinger away to save Patsy. When are we going to just start killing these people? I don't think that they, like, superheroes should have carte blanche on who to kill. But if this is a serial killer you know to be guilty, mm-hmm. can't we at some point put a bullet in his head? Not according to season two of Jessica Jones. Uh, in that season, her mother was also a serial killer, and she's always like twisting her brain around whether or not it's okay to kill this person. And actually, in the first season, too, with uh, Mr. Purple, or whatever his name is, she Dr. Purple. N- knew that he was horrific and horrendous, and... She never. She could have killed him several times over um, until the very end episode, where she finally made the decision that yes, he's he has to die, and and it took a long time to get to that. Uh, that seems to be what the show is about. How hard is it to come to the conclusion that somebody has to die? And then in season two, the one that finally puts Jess's mom down is Trish, right? And so all season, all third season, Jess has been trying to keep Trish from doing that again, right? Because she sees it as like. A pretty reliable, quick like uh, solution to most of life's problems. Yeah, Trisha. Trisha is on your side of the argument. Mm. She wants to. She just wants to be a serial killer herself. She wants to go and murder people. And if you serial kill serial killers, then you're Dexter, which this bad guy is definitely based on for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't. I'm. I mean, like the Showtime show. I'm not talking about Dexter's Laboratory, in case that was confusing for you. Oh shit. Yeah. But what if you Dexter the lesser Dexter. Dexter? If you Dexter a Dexter, are you a Dexter too? You are. You would then become very good at saying tongue twisters. Mm. That's what would happen. Uh, my moment of the week is Jess has to go into the lab to destroy the evidence, uh, but the uh, her cop friend and you know one of the CSI people are in there, and so she decides the only thing that she can do 
is bust the sewer valve. So the drain in the floor starts filling with shit. And <laughs> look, if you have poop in a scene, it's going to be my moment of the week automatically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But all of the metaphors of like, Jess is in the shit again. Jess is stirring up shit. It was all right there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, or like, uh, what a corny scene. You know, you, you could do it all with this scene. Jessica Jones is still on Netflix. We're going to be done with it in like a month. So sorry that you're all, you've been done with it for a long, long time. Your next episode this week is Krypton. And Dave, this morning or yesterday, we got some very bad news. Mm. Krypton is canceled. Oh, bummer. And what I wanted to talk to you about, and they didn't know. You know, they just found out. So this wasn't like a series finale like we're going to do with Legion that is where kind it's of a on bummer. purpose. That is kind of a bummer, actually. When you're producing the show... Do you like are you embarrassed by how much delight me and Taylor get from enjoying the fact that shows are over? Like hundreds of people have now just lost their jobs. Thousands, if not millions of fans have lost one of their shows. Are we bastards for how much or dastardly bastiches for how much we love this? The first time that it happened, uh I was embarrassed. The second time I was uh disgusted. And uh, and from there, I'm just kind of indifferent because I expect it of you. Right. You're a disgusting person, so. And so now you've just been desensitized. Yeah, you guys, you guys hate when people have employment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would prefer that that everybody, like everybody, were an intern, an unpaid intern. That's what you think everybody should be, apart from you. It's how the this company runs, and yeah, you bring up a point that I wasn't trying to talk about on the podcast, but about me and Taylor's real lives is that it's not just shows like. When a factory shuts down, like a car factory, we love that just as much. I've seen you guys do the Bash Brothers thing that uh-huh. the baseball guys did. you just like, yeah, and you, and you bash elbows or we'll, whatever. We'll travel to Detroit just to watch people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. You, go to, you go to that announcement where the, where the CEO is like, oh, I'm going to fuck all you guys. And you guys are like clapping at the end of it. Krypton is... Was on Sci-Fi and it is no longer. Sci-Fi is having a calling right now. They just canceled Happy and one other uh, Deadly Class, and so I think the only show of ours that they have remaining is Winona Earp, which will come back at some point. It's kind of it's kind of weird because Sci-Fi Channel, these are all science fiction shows. Mm-hmm. Almost every single one of them. I guess when I know Winona Earp actually is is barely a science fiction show. I mean, it's I, I guess you would call it horror or western but it does have it does have it's not like weird a, that it's on sci-fi yeah i guess because sci-fi sci-fi airs all of these kind of weird uh genre shows yeah but the the other two that have just been canceled are clearly science fiction television shows and they're like you know what we don't need those and that's kind of funky to me the ratings were terrible the shows were mediocre at best um, and I think that what sci-fi relies on, and this did happen with Winona Earp, is if it doesn't get like this fervent cult following right away, then they can't keep it going. When I was younger, there were some sci-fi shows that, um, that were clearly poorly produced. Like They don't spend a lot of money on most of their shows. Right. Uh, basically like a network television like a like a like CBS or you you remember UPN? I do. It was ba- basically like that cl- that quality of production level. And now that so so many other stations are spending so much money on these like weird science fictiony shows now, it kind of it kind of makes it so that they don't have the advantage of having a niche following because they people can get that fixed somewhere else now. Well, something like The Boys that is on Amazon, like Amazon treats it as a lost leader. You know, like they'll never recoup that money. They spend a ton of it, and I mean every episode of. The Boys is more expensive than an entire season mm-hmm. of a sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. Amazon doesn't care. Sci-fi has to care. Sci-fi has to be more frugal than that. Yeah, and that unfortunately makes it so that they can't afford to keep up with the big boys anymore. Yeah, and the other problem too, and this is an, uh, an issue with comics, mm-hmm. issue, uh, is that a lot of people trade wait. They wait for six issues to be collected and then buy a, you know, a trade paperback. But if people aren't buying the issues, they don't they don't. They can't keep it going, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of people are waiting for these shows, Deadly Class or Krypton, maybe to just binge on Netflix or the DC streaming service or whatever. Oh yeah. But the amount of people who are watching it live, the audiences are so so small that they can't count on people watching it later. Yeah. How? I, but sci-fi gets paid for those those 
productions, right? Like when it goes on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. For sure, but Hulu isn't going to pay the same amount. Like it's not going to pay the same amount of money for like say Friends that it would to Krypton. They're going to base it on the ratings, uh-huh. and the ratings are so low that they they're going to basically pay nothing. Yeah. My guess is that these shows count on the streaming services and syndication to pay for the budget. And they're sort of like putting the money up front. And that's like, once you do the math, they're like, that, that's what the guy who uh, was producing Winona Earp said. He was like, I love it too. I know you guys love it. We can't fucking afford to do it. Mm-hmm. Like the money isn't there. You know, where do you think it would come from? Because they don't have these uh, Uncle Scrooge level silos that Netflix and Amazon has. Right. Well, that's unfortunate. Bye, Krypton. That was the longest we ever talked about you, so I guess you have that going for you. <laughs> uh, our next show this week is Preacher. This week's episode of Preacher keeps the gruesome threesome apart as Jesse is beating up would-be kidnappers. Tulip is undercover at Masada, and Cassidy gets his foreskin sliced off over and over again. And then the Santa Killers and Eugene are also here for bad measure. Dave, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If the source material has a plot line that the TV show does not use, how much is that fine? Like, does the government come in and say, like, charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars? I'm confused about the question. Okay. It had more than four words. So let me restate it. In uh-huh. this episode, because this is the last season, right? We got like eight episodes left. Okay. So they, do- they dedicated like five minutes to an eight-issue plot line. And then they dedicated 30 seconds to killing off two major characters. Ooh. In the comic book, there's these sex detectives that uh, drive by the Santa Killers. He shoots them in the head real quick, and then that's it. You can't just cut those plot lines from your show. When you have this little time left, all we did this episode was hit like all these greatest hits of the Preacher comic run. Uh-huh. There is no fine. The government will not come in and say, oh, this plot line was in the comic book and you didn't use it. Yeah, therefore, no, you could do whatever you want. You, if you think that, 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 uh, that this panel is gonna, it pops, then you can focus your entire episode on one panel of the comic book. You right? could do that. You could make up a storyline that was never in the comic books. Mm-hmm. And you could definitely say, oh, we're just not going to get to that. And I thought that this season was going to be, like, have a really clear focus that a lot of the previous seasons were missing because we have an end date in mind. Mm -hmm. That's the key for all these stories is to have the end date in mind. And instead, we fucked around for an entire episode trying to hit all of these plot points that do not matter for the final thing. Yeah, it, maybe it's like uh, supposed to be kind of an homage for the for the sh- for the comic book, so people who read the book can be like, "Oh, I remember that. Ooh, I remember that." But after after twenty years, it's been twenty years since the first X Men movie. Aren't we used to seeing our comic books on screen? Do we still need these fanboy moments where we like get uh, the slightest amount of dopamine by saying, "I remember that"? I think you're right. I just think it's like we're over it now. Yeah, the thing about the MCU. 20 years of movies thing is that uh, a lot of the fan base of those films don't know what's in or is not in the comic book. But I think that for Preacher in particular, the people who are watching the show, a lot of the, a lot of the fans have, have also read the books. That's a really good point. Yeah, MCU would not be as big as it is if it was only comic book fans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these smaller shows with very small audiences, it's a pretty good bet that most of them are devout readers of that particular comic book and you don't have to appease your fan base by by putting these these small or these these kind of things in it but it does make the fans happy and if you like your fans then you want to make them happy i have more of an issue issue with it uh because it's the last season and we have an end date if this was two seasons ago and we it seems like we have all the time in the world Mm -hmm. then that's better for me uh, my moment of the week, the other, the great thing about this episode was that we finally got Cassidy's backstory, again, all from the comic book, but it was like, it's like the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, he's an Irishman going off to war, and then gets bit by a swamp vampire, swamp monster, and becomes a vampire, um, and I think my moment of the week is just all of the Irish music, and then Cassidy is in a prison with an angel, and they sing an Irish song, what is it about... Like Irish sing song, sing along songs that is so fucking great. Yeah, and it, it is it is so great. Then and I think at the beginning half of this decade, the twenty ten to twenty teens, uh, a lot of uh, there were a couple of beard bands that kind of like latched on to the melodic tones of Irish folk songs uh-huh. and and got famous because of that. Right, so we all at this point understand how intoxicating. Those melodies can be. Was that was that racist? 
that if it's Irish, it must be intoxicating because they drink so fucking much? No, I, t- I wasn't talking about uh, uh, alcohol in uh, this instance. There's way more. There's way more people that say that they are part Irish than actually could be. Like it's a very small island. Like everyone loves saying that they have a little bit of Irish in them. Um, and I think mostly it's because you just get it like a pass to drink as much as you want. Just like I'm Irish, <laughs> but I think a part of it is the music. I think it's just. There's something about it that's undeniably great. I think that's actually... I mean, there's a lot of excuses for people to drink in the United States. A lot of excuses. But St. Patrick's Day is one of the big ones, especially around here. And it's because of the music. They, they, like to, they like to jump around and... They'll jump around that. and then jump around. And then they'll jump up, jump up, and then get down. Yeah, That's like on their to-do list. Mm-hmm. Those are the four things. Gotta knock them out. Preacher is on AMC on Sundays... Our next and final show for this week is The Boys. On the third episode of The Boys, we get another new member with Mother's Milk, who is the best-named boy in America. The boys drop Translucent in the ocean after Huey exploded him and track down Popclaw to do surveillance and discover that not only is she dating A-Train, but he is doing soup-enhancing drugs to beat a race opponent. Popclaw does the drugs herself and ends up smashing a dude's head with her crotch. Taste buds, I ask you this. Is there any worse way to go? Worse way to go than getting squashed by an orgasm? I have a couple of issues with this. Uh, issues. I have a couple of issues with oh, this question. Man. One, no. Or yes, there's a, that's a million worse ways. Yeah, that feels like the best way. And two, I thought it was more butt. You think it was like a butt, uh, like a sh- like she shat in his mouth? And- no, no, no. I think that he was performing. I think he was. T- I thought he was tossing a salad. Mm-hmm. But she did. Orgasm she, yeah. hard. And that was I, a good salad toss if that's the case. <laughs> like he should work at the Olive Garden. And I don't know how many people orgasm from butt eating. Yeah, I think it's few and far between. But you know, maybe maybe when you're on soup enhancers, then uh, everything's then, orgasmic. Yeah, everything feels better. It does seem like uh, one of those drugs that has all the drugs. Like you, you know, you uh, it's steroids, it's coke, it's ecstasy. It it's like sort of all rolled up into one. Yeah, I, I don't under, I don't understand uh, how it's not on the mainstream market like that. Like that would be, there's no way they would keep this a secret ever. Now like, you LSD was was made in a lab and super secret, and then no, it wasn't right. So or MDMA that was super secret, and wait, no, it's not. So okay, so you don't think that Compound V should be sold at Target, but you're saying that it should be accessible to normal human beings. Well, yeah, in the back alleys of the United States, yes. In all the back alleys. It would almost certainly be available everywhere. Would you do it? No. I mean, I didn't do heroin, and this seems kind of like on heroin level. So unless the, if the rumor mill said, oh, you could die if you did this, then no, I wouldn't do it. The thing is, too, is that it it looks like that it sort of gives you all of the superpowers, or at least um, like strength and speed and stuff like that it's it doesn't like because her pop claws her popped claws didn't get bigger mm-hmm. i don't think it's that she got more frenzied and stronger you know i don't think that pop claw is typically capable of lifting four hundred thousand pounds that or uh kind of lingusing someone's head to explode well we haven't seen her do it before i know we don't have evidence for any of this i'm just guessing here although probably in some of those movies she probably performed a little bit of uh of extracurricular activities did you yeah did you get the impression when they saw popclaw so mother's milk and huey go over to uh they say they have to like fix something in her apartment but really it's to set up uh, a camera in her mm-hmm. house to watch her and a train together and when they said hey popclaw i really like your movies did you get the impression that like they were closer to porno than action movies i well yeah well yeah the way the mother's milk says it for sure and also the posters on the wall are all her posing naked yes yes so. they are and they're kind of like artsy fartsy, but just because they're black and white. I mean, if they were color, then it would just look like a porn shot. Oh, I'm going to turn the color off my iPad <laughs> when I watch porn on the bus, and then I can probably get away with it because now it's artistic. Good call. Good call. Uh, let's get into Mother's Milk because the boys is doing a thing where in the first issue of the comic, we met all of the group. But the Amazon show is we're sort of getting one at a time. Mm-hmm. We started with Carl Urban and then Frenchie and now Mother's Milk. What do you think of his addition to the uh, crew? Dude, this, this big black man is super sexy. I think he's awesome. He's super friendly to basically everybody who runs it. He's very good at the polite face thing mm-hmm. that, that uh, our main, like the leader of the crew, is really awful at. Uh, Frenchie's actually pretty awful at it, too. But and a polite face 
is like in the army. It's like an about face, but instead you hand someone a handkerchief. Yeah. No. no. That's not it? No. A polite face is when somebody needs a handkerchief. Well, actually, wait, yes. What am I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is that. (laughs) But yeah, um, I like how not extreme he is. The world that they live in is, you know, hard R and exploitative, and it's supposed to make us as the audience, like, Mm -hmm. giddy and, like, look at all the crazy shit we're seeing. But I really like how the boys aren't that, you know? And uh, most of all, Mother's Milk, this really does feel like a normal dude who is a polite boy, you know, uh, just sort of handling this stuff. He's not extreme. He's not as frenzied as, say, Popclaw. Right. And the small amount of his backstory that we get is... He used to be part of the crew, and now he's trying to be a regular dude. And the way that he does it is, he's like in charge of a like a teen detention facility, right? And basically, he's trying to be a hero to the world as best he can without having superpowers, and and without hurting or killing people. Which may sound cheesy, but when we've only got a couple minutes to like totally uh, like you know give us what a character is, it was pretty effective. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems like a decent guy. And I think they're doing a pretty good job so far of showing the difference between the boys and the Justice League or whatever their team name is. You yeah. know, those are where all the terrible people are. Right. Mother's Milk cares about the world. None of the supers, except for maybe Starlight, care about the world. And, and that was a big differentiator. And I mean, yeah, I mean, Starlight is our co-protagonist. You know, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to follow her and she's going to be better at that. Um, A-Train versus Shattershock, or whoever the other Flash knockoff mm-hmm. was. Uh, is, is this sports to you, in a nutshell, where it's weeks and weeks of buildup, everyone buys tickets, they get their expensive beer, and it is a millisecond of sports that you get to watch. Like, they run around the track one time, and these are the fastest people on Earth. Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would attend this. This is this is pretty lame. You would not go to this thing. It's like the Kentucky Derby, right? Isn't that like thirty seconds of sports? Oh fuck! Horse racing doesn't make any sense. The only reason why it makes any sense is because you might make some money on it. And I guess if there's bets, we didn't see any toll booths at this place or any betting booths at this at this race. I don't see how they could pack that place. I guess if they were both going to like walk around and handshake hundreds of thousands of people that, and that might happen. Maybe they do it during the race. Maybe that's the actual race. I mean, the thing that you have to realize about this world though, is that, um, a train is like if Barry Allen was real and he was also, um, you know, Chris Evans, like a a huge celebrity Mm -hmm. on the planet and he's in movies and stuff. So I think that this, like, I think the fact that the superheroes in this world are treated like this, it might eliminate other sports. Because how hard would it be to watch Homelander, a Homelander movie, and then watch Homelander stop a crime right next to you, and then go watch LeBron James play basketball? Like, wouldn't that be sort of stupid and boring? He certainly wouldn't seem otherworldly the way that he does now. I, the one instance that this actually does happen is in racing. Uh, it, I think in 2017, Usain Bolt broke his own record for the third time or whatever. And I, I'm pretty sure there were about 33,000 fans in attendance when he did that. It was in Canada, in Montreal, I think. And you get to see our world's version of a superhero, basically, Mm -hmm. right? And also, I think that there's a... Being there for a record is really enticing. Right. You know, a lot of people came to this, or a lot of people went to see Bolt because... What a fucking great name for a (laughs) racer. I almost said racist. Uh, That, like, to to be able to tell your grandkids, I guess, that you were there when a record was broken, I think is also very important. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, um, that is it for the show. The Boys is on Amazon. We're going week by week. This is the third episode. Next week, Dave, we are focusing on The Boys. And what I've heard, you're a little bit farther than us. What I've heard, word on the street in these back alleys where they should be selling Compound X, Mm -hmm. is that the fourth episode is the very best episode. So we are going to see if that is the case so far. We're going to give away the shushy for best supporting actor. And we're going to discuss a team-up between Tulip and Jesus Christ. That would be good. Will they hook up? I sure hope so. I do hope so, too. Yeah. Man, Tulip needs some good action. And so does Jesus Christ. Wow. What do you scream during sex? <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. Oh. That's what she would normally say. But then Daddy, you're like talking then, about his dad. I bet you're being disgusting right now, but I bet that we're going to, this is going to be basically most of the conversation next week. So tune in for that shit. For Dave, I'm Ryan. 
For Ryan, I'm Dave. For Greg, I'm not Taylor. For Taylor, I'm not Greg. And we are the world. Get used to it. Keep watching them movies. <laughs>